0: The Lord be with you and with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, o Lord. Tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to listen to Jesus. But the Pharisees and scribes began to complain, saying, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So to them, Jesus addressed this parable. A man had two sons, and the younger son said to his father, Father, give me the share of your estate that should come to me. So the father divided the property between them. After a few days, the younger son collected all his belongings and set off to a distant country, where he squandered his inheritance on a life of dissipation. When he had freely spent everything, a severe famine struck that country, and he found himself in dire need. So he hired himself out to one of the local citizens, who sent him to his farm to tend the swine. And he longed to eat his fill of the pods on which the swine fed, but nobody gave him any. Coming to his senses, he thought, How many of my father's hired workers have more than enough food to eat, but here am I dying from hunger? I shall get up and go to my father, and I shall say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. Treat me as you would treat one of your hired workers. So he got up and went back to his father. While he was still a long way off, his father caught sight of him and was filled with compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. But his father ordered his servants, quickly bring the finest robe and put it on him, put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet, take the fattened calf and slaughter it, then let us celebrate with a feast. Because this son of mine was dead and has come to life again, he was lost and has been found. Then the celebration began. Now the older son had been out in the field, and on his way back as he neared the house, he heard the sound of music and dancing. He called one of the servants and asked what this might mean. The servant said to him, your brother has returned and your father has slaughtered the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. He became angry and when he refused to enter the house, his father came out and pleaded with him. He said to his father in reply, look, all these years I served you and not once did I disobey your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat to feast on with my friends. But when your son returns who swallowed up your property with prostitutes, for him you slaughtered the fattened calf. He said to him, My son, you are here with me always. Everything I have is yours. But now we must celebrate and rejoice, because your brother was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. The Gospel of the Lord. Rejoice, Jerusalem, and all who love her. Be joyful, all who were in mourning. The violet of penance and suffering that is normal for Lent is lightened on this day to rose, on this fourth Sunday, known as Laetare Sunday, or Rejoice Sunday, because we must always remember the true and authentic mark of all Christians, and that is joy. Evil cannot and has not won. Satan has been defeated, and the gates of heaven have been opened to us. Sin does not define us. Because we are loved by an infinite God, and so we rejoice. And we rejoice because we have been reconciled with that loving God. But our being reconciled sometimes comes with mixed emotions. I know that personally every time I kneel before a priest and admit my failures and my weaknesses in the sacrament of confession, and I hear Christ tell me through that priest I absolve you of your sins, I rejoice indeed for God's mercy, but I'm also a little sad. I'm sad that I need it. I wish I could be like the Blessed Mother and only receive God's mercy once and then never lose it, never fail it, never give up on it. But I'm a sinner. I fail and I have to fall on my knees before our merciful father and ask him forgiveness. I am sometimes the prodigal son who thinks he knows best. I'm sometimes the older brother who thinks he deserves better. But indeed, I know that all of us, and I am truly thankful for it, we have a merciful father who just can't wait to gather us back into his embrace. Now, as I prayed with this beautiful parable of God's mercy, this parable of the prodigal son, this last week I was definitely struck by a little few moments of missing information between that time when the prodigal son said hey dad guess what I hate you and I want my money which is essentially what he said in those days and the time when the father actually gave the son his money all it says in scripture is so the father divided the property between them after a few days the younger son collected all his belongings and set off to a distant country Now. Trying to imagine this in prayer, I try to imagine the father going about his business for the next couple of days, selling off pieces of land, getting the money together, watching this younger son gather all of his supplies to get ready to leave his father, who loves him. I can only imagine that that father would have been thinking, I know if it was me, I'd be thinking, this little son of mine thinks that I can do all things for him, and then this is how he treats me. Well, forget it. I'm done. I'm not going to give him a thing. Tempted to anger and bitterness, I can only imagine. But he wasn't. It doesn't say that in our scriptures. And we we can assume indeed that the father didn't do any of those things. You can imagine the pain of his heart as he watched his youngest son pack his bags, knowing that the son was going to his certain doom. Going to pain and suffering. He would not find joy. The father knew it. And then I could imagine in my prayer as the father meets his son, got the money bag in his hands guarantee he's got tears in his eyes he looks his son in the face and he says son I don't like what you're doing but I want you to remember one thing remember that I love you then hands over the bag of money and watch the young son depart at this point in my prayer, I got pretty angry because I was like, well, if you were a good father, you'd just stop him. You wouldn't let him leave. You would say, hey, son, you're being an idiot. Don't do this. It's going to turn out really bad. Trust me, just stay here. Why doesn't the father just make the son stay and avoid all of the suffering he's going to go through? Why doesn't the father just prevent the suffering instead of trying to heal afterwards? But he didn't, and he has a reason Because as I continued to pray, I imagined that merciful father, if he forced the prodigal son to stay, the son would stay physically. He would be near his father. He would understand that love is merely just the obeying of rules, and he would obey them, and he'd just become the older brother. He would always be there physically, but his heart and his mind and his desires would be in a foreign country with exotic pleasures, and he would never experience the emptiness of those things. And so he would always long for them because we're always happy in our dreams. And so sometimes the father has to let his children go so they can find out the emptiness of what they want and he can welcome them back home. You see my brothers and sisters, sometimes we parents have to let our children fail even though we know they're gonna fail so they can find out the pain and emptiness of what they wanted because otherwise they won't learn that lesson. And so sometimes we have a Father in heaven who lets us go, only because he knows he'll welcome us back. We have many families with many prodigals in our day and age. Many people have left the faith who have left their families. And sometimes, my brothers and sisters, we must let them go. But with a firm faith, someone loves them far more than we do, and that he's always calling them back home looking for that moment when they may but turn their glance to him and he will run to them. We must always tell them, I might not agree with what you do, but I love you. This reflection was very fitting for me, especially this last week, which if you receive the register, which is the diocesan newspaper, or have paid attention to the news on Friday, our diocese released the names of the 14 priests who served in our diocese who have substantiated allegations of child sexual abuse. Twelve of those fourteen priests are dead, two have been laicized, and none of them are in active ministry. But I do know that four of them served our family here in St. Francis Xavier. Some of you may have been baptized by them. Some of you, maybe they baptized your children. Maybe they witnessed your vows of marriage, buried loved ones. Maybe they spent time with you and your family. I know that me personally, I spent a week in Rome with one of the priests on that list. He found housing for us, he showed us around Rome. I had no idea, until about a week ago, that he was on that list of those who who have substantiated allegations. At first I was shocked, and then I was hurt, but then I understood, tried to put it in God's mercy. But so I stand before you this day, my brothers and sisters, as a priest of God, and I tell you, I'm sorry. I apologize on their behalf for any way that a priest has failed the authority and the power that was given them, the trust that that was had in them. I apologize for the way in which the church mishandled any of these things. And I assure you that indeed our diocese, our bishop, and I will do all that we can to make sure that everything is done properly from this day forward for sure. I can tell you indeed that we are as a church kneeling before all of those who have been hurt saying, we have sinned against heaven and against you. We beg for forgiveness. If you have been affected by sexual abuse in any way, I tell you and I encourage you to please report it to the lawful authorities first and foremost. And if it involved clergy in any way, then also send it to the diocesan Uh, Safety and Environment Committee, which information can be found in our bulletin and on our website. All of it is to help us to seek healing. I encourage you to read the register, which has a number of good articles that explain how the process is done. I encourage you to listen to the bishop's talk, which is about six minutes long on our website, on the diocesan website. I encourage you, my brothers and sisters, to understand that this time of transparency and vulnerability is necessary for healing and I know that the divine physician is at work. The merciful father is wanting to gather his children home, wants to gather them into his loving embrace and he is doing so. But I can tell you that in the midst of all this pain and suffering, the darkness that seems to come, the scandals that are inside and outside of the church, all the suffering we see in the world, you just have to turn on the news and you see it all. In the midst of all of that, I know that there are plenty of reasons to rejoice. Because my brothers and sisters, sin will not win out in the day. I can tell you without any doubt whatsoever that confession lines have been steady and the confessions have been beautiful. Now, I can't tell you anything about those confessions. I wish I could. But I can tell you that in general, people are coming back to the faith after decades of being away. I can tell you that this last Ash Wednesday was better attended than the year previous and than any year I've seen, and even some of the older priests in our diocese commented the same. People are coming back to Christ in a time when it seems they shouldn't. I can tell you that sins are being brought to the light so that they can be dispelled by the light of Christ, and people can find true freedom. None of this takes away the pain and suffering. But now that we have it out in the air, we can hopefully heal. We can say these things openly. And so indeed, my brothers and sisters, I I rejoice and my joy is not founded upon fallible human beings. I do not rejoice in a human institution because it will fail me. I rejoice in the solid rock of our Lord Jesus Christ in the the merciful Father who will love me always and in the anointing of the Holy Spirit that never fails us. I rejoice because we have a God who will humble himself, become a piece of bread and a bit of wine so we can humbly meet us where we're at. I rejoice because our God took on flesh and died for us. I rejoice, my brothers and sisters, because we have a loving father who just can't wait for us to run home. So if any of us have wandered from home, if any of us have been a prodigal son or the unforgiving older brother, if any of us have wandered away from the merciful love of the father, I encourage you to come home. Run to your Father in heaven and he'll run to you and he'll embrace you and he'll clothe you with his glory. He'll put a ring on your finger and welcome you back into his warm embrace. My brothers and sisters, he'll sometimes let us go only because he knows he'll welcome us home. Let us, my brothers and sisters, come home because we indeed are beloved sons and daughters of a loving Father in heaven.